Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the great American RV adventure into stress-less camping. Each week, we explore tips, tricks, ideas, and destinations, and talk to the happiest campers in the RV world. Pull up a seat at the campfire as we enjoy some stress-less camping. Throw another log on the fire. I'm cold. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, log or some more gas? Because, you know, there's different ways of thinking about the campfire. And by the way, hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. I'm Tony. I'm freezing and I'm Peggy. (laughs) (laughs) And we are two RV industry veterans who travel part time in a small trailer. Looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips, tricks, and discounts. And you think you're cold now, just wait. Just you wait. I know. Today's the first cold day of the year. And, and it's, it's all like relevant. 70. <laughs> there was, I was listening to a news report because as we record this, it's election day. And I was listening to some news reports and it was 29 degrees oh, in Minnesota. Yikes. So your cold isn't all that bad. It's actually quite beautiful and warm outside, but because it was cold overnight, <laughs> the house stayed cold. And <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. I'd be warmer if I was camping. <laughs> you would be, actually. Well, shoot, let's go. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Hey, get out of here. <laughs> so one of the things that somebody had brought up in one of the various forms that I troll was the cost to refill or replace a propane tank. Propane and propane accessories. (laughs) Stacy, I think, Croster in our Rockwood group had said she was paying like 25 bucks to refill a tank. Yabba dabba do. That is some kind of money. Is that like five gallons or whatever? Yeah, it seems high because what we pay is $2.89 a gallon here in very expensive California. (laughs) So you figure it's five gallons of propane. That's at the most under 15 bucks. And I like to refill the tanks because I have been told, and I have absolutely no proof of this, so it's complete (laughs) conjecture. I've been told that when you buy those refilled tanks, you know, the tank swap, that they don't fill them all the way full. Plus, it's very possible that you are giving away, if you didn't completely run yourself empty, you might be giving back some gas in the one that you exchange. Yeah, you're giving them gas. (laughs) Which usually only happens when we feed them chili. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, my word. What the heck? What is this world coming to? (laughs) So some people might ask, where do you find propane refills like if you have your own tank and you can buy them at the hardware store or whatever if you have your own tank where do you find the refills so we have a few online maps u-haul is a good one amerigas has a website with locations the afdc what is that i don't know but it has uh, propane (laughs) locations the all filled nope (laughs) no well it says it's I fill those containers. That's it. There we go. (laughs) Fill those containers. Propane.com, believe it or not. And LPG Stations has info. So there's a few websites where you can go to find refill stations. We have a bunch here. We actually, because we live in an area that doesn't have natural gas. So everyone here works on propane if they want any kind of gas. So we actually have quite a few, many of our gas stations have propane refill sites. And our hardware stores have exchange sites. So we can find it pretty easily. 
but probably if you live where there's natural gas, it's less common to have propane everywhere. Yeah, but there's a lot of filling stations that have Sure. It. Anyway, what are you paying to refill your tanks? And how do you do it? Where do you go? Let us know. We have our Facebook group, and uh, you can weigh in with your thoughts and questions and ideas and gripes and whatever. And whatever you want to say. As long as you are <laughs> polite. Please. So we will be right back after this. We're going to talk about something we know absolutely nothing about. Thank goodness somebody does. (laughs) Indeed. So we'll be right back. We love being part of the largest club of RVers with events, rallies, tours, resources, and more. And you can be too. That's the FMCA, and it's not just for motorhomes anymore. Now any RVer can join the FMCA and enjoy their fantastic benefits. Yeah, like chapters where people of common interest gather and go on outings and adventures together. It's a great way to meet other RVers who share your interest or location. But there are other great resources too, like a beautiful magazine, forums, videos, tutorials, and so much more. And don't forget the incredible programs like Medical Assist, where the FMCA is there for you in the event of a medical emergency on the road. Yes, and we signed up for the FMCA's Roadside Assistance, which specializes in RVs and offers towing to the nearest qualified repair facility, no matter how many miles away it is. It's a great optional program that's been part of the FMCA for years. Plus, of course, we've got a good deal for you. New members can save $10 on an FMCA membership. We've got the details and more information on this terrific organization on our discounts and deals page at stresslesscamping.com. Join us and other RV enthusiasts at an upcoming rally or gathering and save money in the process. Now Now that's that's Stressless camping. Camping. We are back and we have a friend of ours who has helped a lot of people with a lot of questions. He's really good at knowing things and making guides and such. We are talking about something we've never done. Nope, and probably never will. And it's not bungee jumping. We probably will never do that either. Probably not, because I wonder, (laughs) really, how far do they test those bungee cords? And I would displace a lot of water in the pool, friends. Although, if I had a choice between one or the other, I would not choose bungee jumping. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? But different strokes for different folks. Anyway, we are talking about winterization and winterizing your RV. And since we are not people who have any expertise in this because we don't do it, although I do know about freezing water, Mm -hmm. we have a guest and our friend Adam Douglas. So without any further ado, here's Adam. We are here with our friend Adam Douglas. basically poor, poor friend who has to winterize. (laughs) And he knows something that we know virtually nothing about. And that is (laughs) how to winterize your RV. Adam, welcome. Thank you for joining us, Hi. Adam. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. And of course, there are a lot of people right now as we record this in October, late October nonetheless, and they are thinking of putting their RVs away for the winter, which is such a sad. So sad. sad. Yeah. But that's okay. Every year. Yeah, every year. Yeah, it was like starting to snow today, so it didn't help. Oh, uh. man. I just went outside. And it's actually still pretty nice. It'll get colder here and it will get to freezing overnights, but But not yet. Not till like January when we go camping and freeze our butts off. (laughs) (laughs) How far away do you go for that? We go to Southern Arizona. Well, yeah, that's why we go to Southern Southern Arizona. Yeah, I could handle that. I like short pants. Yeah. (laughs) I don't like winter. (laughs) 
<laughs> and when we lived in Southern California, we thought winter was cold. And then we moved to Northern California. And then now we think winter's cold. And then my nephew came from Colorado and said, uh, this is not cold. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's yeah, only like 50. <laughs> it's funny. I'm writing an article about the best RVs for winter. And one of the better ones is built on the West Coast. Actually, two of the better ones. Huh. The Lance, which is built in Southern California. And then the Northwood, both of which, like the holding tank gate valves are heated. That's cool. So what we were hoping for is to kind of talk tips about winterization and how to winterize your RV so that the next season it's there and ready for you. And you actually created a spreadsheet or checklist for winterization as well, if I'm not mistaken. It's a Google Doc, and it just kind of came about where there was enough people in the Facebook groups that kept asking how to winterize the trailer. And after I got tired of posting the same comments over and over again, typing, 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 then I just decided to make this doc and I can easily edit it on the fly. If someone says, Hey, you forgot about this part or that part, or I really didn't understand what you meant. I can just go right in and change it. And I just share it with everybody. That's really great. That's a great idea to just be able to share that link instead of having to retype it every single time. And we're going to put a link to that in our show notes so you can find it there. But I guess to start with, what are the things we should be watching out for and what are some basic steps for making our RV winter ready? Probably the main thing is people recommend using air compressor to blow air through the lines to clear out the water. But a lot of times it won't clear out all the water and water will find its own level. It'll sink and go into one of the valves, and Mm. it'll end up cracking, and you won't find out about it until you're on your next camping trip in the spring. Which is not a good time to find a crack. No. (laughs) No, not at all. So I like doing the antifreeze method. It's a sure thing. As soon as you see the pink antifreeze coming out the faucets, you know you're done. Pretty foolproof. Yeah. And, of course, the big thing is not automotive antifreeze but there is actually rv specific antifreeze which will not poison you which is a plus (laughs) yeah that's depending on your insurance (laughs) that's correct yeah you can usually get it about two dollars at the store i buy at menards or home depot or wherever walmart and they have different uh, temperatures you can get a negative 50 negative 75 even a negative 100 but for an rv negative 50 is just fine i can't even imagine living where it gets that cold but i know know a lot of (laughs) our listeners do so one thing about the negative 50 is actually the burst protection so there's the temperature where it'll turn into slush and that one's okay but then the negative 50 is like the burst protection Okay. You mainly have to worry about it in boats. So you don't want to end up ruining a $7,000 engine because of antifreeze. So Right. Yeah, that's true. One of the things I remember when I worked at the RV dealership, we used to sell a lot of toilet valves when spring came around and people's <laughs> toilets wouldn't stop running. Yeah, that's the valve that sits lowest in the trailer. So that's where all the water is going to collect. And I think a lot of people forget about that. So let's say it's my first time winterizing because it would be. It would be. What would I do? Well, first you'd want to look for the water heater bypass valves, and that'll be inside the trailer. Could be inside a cabinet. It might be hidden by a little false panel, like a wood panel that you just have to take off. And I always recommend leaving those off if they're inside the cabinet anyway, because you wouldn't be able to see a leak if those panels were there. So you can just leave those off for the future. 
But now with the bypass valves on the water heater, you might have a one valve, two valve, three valve setup. It just depends on yours. But they're easy. You just turn it 90 degrees, you know, each one of them, and you're pretty much done. And then that'll stop any antifreeze from going into the water heater and filling that up. Because if you have a six gallon or a 10 gallon water heater, you're just wasting it. Your goal is to get all the water out of the water heater, then you don't need to antifreeze it. And how you do that depends on the water heater. I really like the Trumas that have this like spout that comes down and pours out, but most of us have either a Suburban or Atwood, and there's a big nut at the bottom of that on the Suburbans, it is attached to the anode rod, which this is a great time to check that because you're going to be removing it. So is it sort of the same as a low point drain? No, okay, not quite. <laughs> That's a different enchilada. Oh boy. <laughs> which initially I do actually open up the low point valves just to get a lot of the water out of the lines. Right. A good way to do it first. RVs have what are called low point drains, which is what you said, which in theory is where you open those drains and the water comes out and there is no or at least a lot less water. In the fresh water system. Right. And I assume you open a valve like a faucet up above to let air go down when you open those low point drains so it doesn't create a water lock. Right. Yeah, the kitchens use the Right, but we kind of got ahead of him, and he was talking about the water heater, right. and we, 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 as usual, hijacked your conversation. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> well, one of the things, like ours, we have to take the dinette kind of half apart to get to those water heater bypass right. valves, and I think ours has three valves. I, now I don't remember, because I looked at it once. Seems like on the mini lights, they went to the two valve in late 2019 or okay. early 2020 which those are models and they usually overlap the years anyway. So Ours is a 2017, I think. 17 or 16. Yeah, something like that. So anyway, so now you've got your water heater bypass valves turned so that the water heater is bypassed. You've opened the drain on it and all the water's run out and that's a good chance to inspect the condition of the water and the tank itself. What's next? Well, one option is to actually flush out the water heater and you can do that with a water heater flush wand and in the guide I actually have a link to that. Okay. That's a good idea. You get all those little rocks and schmutz out of the water heater which little is hunks of hard water and stuff that have dried up in there yeah yeah debris yeah debris and such okay so now our water heater is clean and has been bypassed what's next then you'll want to go find the water pump valve which that'll be inside the cabinet by the water pump and you'll want to turn that 90 degrees the same way. Okay. Then some trailers will have a port on the outside of the trailer, and that'll connect to the water pump where you can just suck the antifreeze right out of the jug. Some trailers have a hose next to the pump that you just insert into the antifreeze jug. But if you don't have one of these, you can always buy one, and Camco makes it for $15. Or you can make your own. It's pretty easy, but... That just speeds things up. And unlike in a car where you mix some antifreeze and some water, in this case, it's pure antifreeze. It's pre-mixed, yes. Okay. There's some alcohol and some water and other chemicals and stuff. So. so do you have to put, is it a volume of antifreeze that is like enough to pump like the water flows through the faucets? I usually buy three to four jugs or three to four gallons. Gallons, okay. And that'll be plenty. Usually I, I have some extra, but then 
you know, it's just nice to have around, especially okay. in Michigan where you know, it's going to freeze every year. So right. might as well have extra. <laughs> You're not going to waste it. And then you use the actual pump on your RV to suck that out of the chugs, if I'm not mistaken, correct. correct? Yes. And there's no reason to put it inside your fresh tank. You don't have to do that. It's just going to waste it. Oh, okay. Essentially what you're doing is filling up the... Oh. I remember that valve because one time I accidentally hooked the fresh water up to it. Couldn't figure out why I didn't have any water. Now I know where you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, our trailer. That was it. Right next to the fresh water inlet, the city water inlet is the, the antifreeze, antifreeze inlet. inlet, which looks exactly the same, except it says antifreeze inlet. Yeah, it does say antifreeze inlet, but when you're already drinking, I mean, when you're nervous about setting up by yourself, <laughs> you oh, might get man. confused. That's why I always recommend when if new people come to the site and they don't know anything about their trailer, I always say open all the cabinets, look inside everything, find all the valves, because you don't want to do this while you're camping. So no. you might as well do it at home. So then you're basically sucking antifreeze into the system and you open, I assume, the faucet or you know valve furthest from wherever that pump is to get the antifreeze through the system? Correct, which some trailers have the water filter. So that's going to be full of water. So if yours has it, you want to take off that water filter housing, empty the water, and you'll want to pour some of the antifreeze inside it, and that'll get things going. Because that could be a liter or so of antifreeze. So you might as well just pour it inside the water filter housing and then screw that back on. Right. Just save a little bit. Of okay. That's that's a good point. When you're ready to start uh, drawing the antifreeze through the lines, you just want to slowly go to each faucet. So you can go to the kitchen sink, turn on the hot, wait for the pink antifreeze to start flowing, turn it off, and then do the cold side too. And then one nice thing is while you're doing that, you'll actually be filling the P-traps at the same time. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. The P-traps will hold the water, you know, inside the shower, inside the sink. So you want to get that in there too. And then you just go from one fixture to the next, the kitchen, bathroom, the shower, the toilet. You want to hold that down for about five seconds. And then that'll put antifreeze down into the black tank. Okay. If you have an outdoor kitchen, or the outside shower, you want to do those too. I wonder how many people forget that because I wouldn't have thought of shower, it. Yeah. And that's yeah. closest to the outside. So that's probably gets the coldest. Yeah, it might do. So oh. at this point, you've got antifreeze in everything except the tanks, right? Because you've bypassed both the freshwater tank and the water heater tank. So you've right. got your antifreeze in the whole rest of that system. It'll be in all the lines. That's the goal. I know, as you said, some people put an air fitting on their trailers or RVs and just blow out air. But yeah, that there's still condensation whereas this basically replaces all the water in your rv's water system so that doesn't freeze yep. the antifreeze just pushes the water out and as soon as you see the pink antifreeze you're done but if you only use air then that doesn't take care of the drains and the p-traps am i right because you're just right. blowing yes. from the inlet to the faucets you're not blowing from the faucets through the drains. So if you were using the air compressor, you would just want to pour the antifreeze directly from the gallon jug into the sinks and the toilet and the shower. Okay. So then you are safe. Any other steps we need to be aware of? Some of them, if it has a black tank flush, sometimes people will actually blow the line with an air compressor that way. That'll empty out some of the water. And that is not connected to the rest of this system. So that when you pump the antifreeze, it's not going to go through that black water flush, right? Technically, it does have a vacuum breaker that shouldn't be holding any water. 
But it's one optional step if you want to do that. Right. Yeah, it's better to be safe than sorry. And we have a story about that vacuum breaker and the black tank flush <laughs> resulting in a saggy floor. So I did read about that. Oh, it just makes me so mad. But <laughs> one thing I always tell people is do whatever helps you sleep at night. You know, and antifreeze, that's one way I can just say, hey, I know it's done right and just makes it easier. Makes sense. That sounds good. Some trailers will have a residential fridge and that may have an ice maker and you could forget about the water line that goes into that to make the ice. Right. Um, yeah. You want to check the manufacturer steps on doing that. Okay. My trailer doesn't have one. So. Because that's not on a faucet, so it'd be hard to pump that water through to the ice maker or yeah. through the ice maker system. It, it's not through the same pump system. Yeah, they're going to have a recommendation. So the best thing is to know if you have a residential refrigerator which is another reason i don't like them <laughs> but with an ice maker that's another complication right well that sounds good so it sounds a lot more simple than i had had in my mind i had that oh this is going to be really complicated but i guess probably two-thirds of the nation's doing it and it, it's not <laughs> as bad as i thought <laughs> right yeah and i hear a lot of people spending you know a couple hundred dollars to have this done by somebody else right you can do it for under ten dollars yeah yeah it's not even any special tools nothing it's pretty straightforward so i don't know if we want to completely talk about dewinterizing but let's say you've winterized and then you have a warm spell and you decide to take a real quick camping trip you would just turn the water on and flush your system and get all the pink stuff out and then redo yes. it Okay. Yes, you can do that. Um, now, if you're going to be drinking the water or cooking with it, you'll obviously want to sanitize it with bleach water. And okay. I actually have a guide for that, too. So we could probably link that. To get that through all the lines. I wrote a review of a sanitizer device. So we can put a link to that little sanitizer device, too. It's basically a little container that holds bleach. It's a total first world device. So would that device be used to dewinterize? You can use that same device to put your chlorinated water through your winterizing system or no? I do not know. Because that would definitely flush all the lines that you winterized. Yeah, that's true. It would. Yes, because that device went right into the fresh tank fill hose, right? Yeah, basically, you know, you apply city water to one end and then just a regular garden hose to the other or, you know, fresh water hose, a shorty. The idea is to put it into your freshwater tank so it flushes that, but I suppose you could use it for this too. Because you want to make sure you get all that pink stuff out. Freeze out. I know there are some people who camp with the trailer winterized and just simply don't use any water. So it's just a hard tent. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's a hard tent with a heater in it. Oh, good point. You do get you do get heat and a yeah. mattress. <laughs> you get a mattress, you get a heat, you get a refrigerator, although you may not need one. You could just right. leave your your food outside i mean the bears are asleep right now right. or will be <laughs> right you can use the trailer any way you want yeah absolutely yeah i'm sure people i mean janine pettit from girl camper has talked about using her trailer winterized i suppose you could even use the toilet because you're not worried about ingesting that antifreeze i should hope not but you <laughs> well, gotta... no, i mean if if you plan to use the water for drinking or for cooking you would have to make sure you flush it completely out. But if you just flush the toilet and then you there was still some antifreeze in the system, that wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, I guess not. No, it'd just be pink water. But, or you could just use a gallon jug of water and pour that down the toilet too. So Right, right. Yeah, there's lots of options. Well, this is great. And now we've solved some people's problems. So that is awesome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> 
So we really appreciate you making the time to come and sit in the cold with us, as it were. (laughs) Thank you. And good meeting you here on Zoom. We appreciate your time and your expertise. Absolutely. In this and so many other places. Yeah, Adam has really shared a lot of great information and is quite a resource for people. So thank you for all the time that you provide. Yes. Oh, thank you. And thank you, everybody, because I just enjoy helping people and I learn at the same time. There's a lot of things I just don't know. So, you know, I pick it up, I learn, and I can share all that information with other people. Right. Yeah. I enjoy it. I wish more people were like you and take the time with people and answer their questions instead of providing snarky answers. Well, sometimes he does (laughs) that too. Well, yeah, I mean, there is that. (laughs) (laughs) But we all know it's in good fun. Absolutely. Of course. Yes, I have uh, quite the dry humor. (laughs) All right, Adam. Well, thank you very much for your time. And uh, we will see you out there on the forums. And maybe next summer if we get out east. Oh, yeah. That's the goal. The goal is to come out that way next year. Have a good evening. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Okay. Well, I don't know if I'm any warmer, but I have a warm and fuzzy feeling knowing that we've helped people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, and we will have Adam's guide on our website with this podcast episode. So you can refer to that. It's, he's done an exceptional job as usual. He's a heck of a great guy. So I love the fact that we can bring people together who know things that we don't. Yeah. So if you're going to keep camping through the winter... And you are going to have a fire, whether it be wood fire or propane fire. Yeah, that's the question, isn't it? Here on the West Coast, we may have more propane fires just because forest fires. Yeah, there's enough wood burning. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and you don't want to cook weenies on a forest fire. It's not a good idea. Not a good idea. But anyway, we thought that we would like to talk about everyone's favorite camping dessert Everyone? Well, sure, everyone. Okay. Okay. There's going to be somebody who says no. We would talk about a favorite camping dessert, the s'more. Yeah. It is such a fixture in camping lore. So we were going to talk about making s'mores. So normally s'mores are cooked over a fire, whether it be a wood or a propane fire. But I have to say that in emergency situations, I have also cooked in our barbecue when I couldn't have a fire. And the actual good thing about that is you can just lay things on the grill and set a timer and not have to stand over the fire with a stick. So that was kind of helpful. But for the most part, of course, that's part of the joy and the happiness of making a s'more is roasting it over an open fire. Yeah, with other friends gathered around. Right. You know, you're all sticking your s'mores in the fire (laughs) at the same time, and that's pretty cool. Right. And so, you know, we all grew up maybe unbending a wire (laughs) coat hanger. (laughs) But now we have so many more options, and our favorite option, of course, is the grub stick yeah they've been with us on this whole podcast journey they really have and we love our grub stick we have the set of grub stick and one of the items in the grub stick kit is a grub cage and they actually specifically designed that cage to be the perfect size to make a s'more it's really well done we've also fyi we've had these grub sticks now for a few years. Yep. And they've held up well. They've been to a lot of They've been to a lot of campfires. There's been a lot of things successfully cooked in them and a few things burned in them. (laughs) So I wanted to share some of the recipes that Grubstick has on their website. You know, we'll just kind of give an overview of them and you can go to the website. I mean, you know, when you go in to order the Grubstick, you'll be able to find those recipes. (laughs) Yeah. 
know exactly how to make these. One thing I saw on the website was the tip that if you take two or three marshmallows and tear them in half, then they fit really well on the graham cracker. So I used to just try to cram a marshmallow in there, but now I realize that if you tear them in half, you get just as much marshmallow, but it kind of flattens itself out a little bit more. You know, I learned something here today. Thank you, everybody. Good night. (laughs) Wait, wait, we're not done. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Because now we're going to talk about different ways to make a s'more. S'more different ways. S'more different ways. So the first one, this is pretty cool. You can kind of mash, you know, those little caramel squares. So what if you took one of those and kind of mashed it flat a little bit, then added a chocolate covered pretzel and their graham crackers. And marshmallow. Oh yeah, and marshmallow. (laughs) So you've got flattened caramel, chocolate covered pretzel, and marshmallows. And you know, obviously you put it in the fire and get everything all melty and mm, 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 mm. You gotta love the combo of caramel and pretzel. Yeah. Mm, mm. Yeah, salty and sweetie. Salty and sweetie. Is wonderful. The way to go. And then they have a recipe they call the smwaffle. Smawful. Easy for you to say. (laughs) I'm not even going to try to read it. I know what it's supposed to say, so I'm going to say it's the smawful. No, it's smawful. Smawful. S apostrophe M A W F F L E. Smawful. That's smawful you've got there. What you do is don't bring your graham crackers. Bring some of those frozen waffles and spread them with Nutella. Make a little swimming pool of marshmallow and then fill it with pecans and banana and then another layer of Nutella covered waffle and have a smawful. That sounds so good. Lego my egg. Yeah, <laughs> I think that you would know, be a good breakfast. I haven't seen Ego since I was a kid, but I'm pretty I sure wonder, they're out there. Well, I know they are, but I wonder, you know, Grubstick also has a hamburger cage. I wonder That's if right. those round Egos fit in there. If they don't, I have knives that I bring with me. <laughs> well, those are narrower because they're meant to hold a hamburger oh, you're patty right. or you're something. Right, you're right. So you wouldn't be able to stack a lot of things in there. Yep, but yep, 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 you yep, could yep, maybe yep. just take your Ego and cook it for breakfast. Well, that's true. <laughs> and then cover it with with all those other things. That's another way. Well, how go. about if you want to do something healthy? Don't listen to right. this part. We're talking about s'mores. Let's talk about healthy <laughs> s'mores. <laughs> okay. This is a caramel apple way. So you use an apple ring, you core it and slice it instead of the cracker. And then of course, marshmallow, caramel, and white chocolate. Hey, that would be gluten-free, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, there you and go. And healthy because, you know, it's, it's got it's an apple. It's got apples. <laughs> <laughs> Forget salad. Yeah, who needs salad when you have (laughs) apple s'mores? (laughs) No, Doc, I don't know why I weigh 8 million pounds. In addition to the recipes that we found on Grubstick's website, we also have a couple of tricks. And one of those is that some friends that we camped with earlier this year gave us the idea of skipping the Hershey's and adding a Reese's peanut butter cup. Yeah, this was made for Tony because you could put peanut butter on my computer and I'd eat it. So that has become our obsession when it comes to s'mores. The cool thing is we, for a variety of reasons, we've made a lot of s'mores recently and the stores have all that Halloween candy and you can buy entire bags of just single Reese's. So we have bought entire bags of just single Reese's. We've probably eaten twice as many bags of Reese's as we have turned into s'mores, but whatever, who's counting? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, who needs blood? I just have liquid sugar running through my veins. And then a few weeks ago, we were camping and there was a serious serious 
serious fire ban. Not only could we not have a wood fire, but we couldn't even have our propane fire, but we promised s'mores. So we experimented and we built them on a paper plate and Tony put them in the microwave for 40 seconds and they were awesome. Yeah, it worked out pretty well. And we were obviously hooked up to full hookups. That's how we got the microwave to work, but. It's fun to watch because the marshmallow like (laughs) totally (laughs) puffs up like four times its size. And then we would take it out. It's like a softball. (laughs) Yeah. And then take it out of the microwave and serve it to somebody and it squeezed down a little bit more, but there's something that happens to the texture of a marshmallow when you microwave it that I actually liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, not a big fan no, of marshmallows. No, she's not a huge fan of marshmallows. And I wanted three. The texture of the marshmallow changed in some kind of a way that made me absolutely adore it. So I think huh. next time we make s'mores, I'm probably going to sneak inside and microwave mine while everyone oh, else is roasting God. it. <laughs> <laughs> We're boondocking and hey, can you run the generator so I could run no, the microwave? No, I won't do that. No, I, I Then know. I just put the Reese's between two graham crackers and eat it. You're missing the marshmallow <laughs> factor. Yes, I am. Oh, man. Well, anyway, there you go. So do you have a unusual or favorite s'mores yeah, recipe? I want, I want more secrets. Yeah, we'd love to see. And again, back to that old Facebook group, you can share your pictures and your stories and recipes, and, recipes, and oh, yeah. just all of that stuff. Please, please. Yeah, come join us. We're, we're a friendly bunch. We like to have fun. So while you're there on Facebook, heck, you could tell your friends and Invite family. Invite your friends. Have them them tell us their favorite s'mores recipe. <laughs> I'm telling you, I want to know all of them. And we are on all the social places, but you can start by finding us on stresslesscamping.com where you see notes, tips, articles, and these podcasts. And jump off places to Facebook and Instagram. Wherever you want to be on social, we're there too. There you are. Pretty much. And of course, if you don't want to miss a future episode of the Stressless Camping Podcast, it is absolutely free. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're saving you a seat around our virtual campfire. And do you know that, well, you you must know, if you've listened to us for more than, uh, <laughs> more than this episode, you know that we really, really, really appreciate reviews. It helps other people find the podcast. And the more listeners we have, the more great, fantastic, helpful guests that we can get to help you with great tips, tricks, and, and discounts. discounts. So thank you again for joining us this week. Hopefully you're not winterizing. Hopefully you're planning more campouts. Yeah, but if you are winterizing, we hope this has been of help to you. And once again, happy, happy camping. camping. We hope you learned a lot, had some fun, and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure. We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure. And we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping!